episode seven then. We're finally here. This is episode seven of FIA Goes PC. And I'm sat here with my good pal Shaq, aka the Urban Oracle. Say hello. Going PC since 1994. Bada bing. Well, I'd say more like 2017. I was, I was rough in 94, mate. It's a rough year. And we're also here with our producer, Winifred Mark. Say hello. Hello. She's uh, tap dancing, apparently, uh, making clicky sounds with the wires and the cables that she's attached to. But that's enough about how wind dresses. We're moving on. We've got quite a busy week this week because we're going to wrap the week up. A lot of places, a lot of things. Uh, but we're also going to have a nice conversation about our favourite pastime, eh, Shaq? Yes, go it. Video games, which we're both big fans of and Wynn literally runs away screaming at the sight of. But that's okay. She can pop in with wondrous things like her fandom of Tetris and Katamari, can't you? <laughs> she does like certain games, but they're the obscure, weird ones that yeah. <laughs> require thoughts and intelligence. <laughs> Unlike us, we just like to be entertained. So yeah. let's start with the week. It's been a crazy week, as I said, and we start that week off in Digbeth, just outside the city centre of Birmingham. And we were at a go-karting and laser tag Venue, I think that's the right word. Yeah, absolutely huge venue. It was the um, I wasn't expecting uh, it to be so big. To be fair, it had a massive track that went all around the area, so um, there wasn't really a place in the room where you couldn't see the track. So the yeah. track was really, really large. It's quite an, well. It's actually quite an amazing place because for me personally, and I'm a bit older than everyone sitting here. Not to give anything away about myself, uh, I'm permanently young, obviously. <laughs> But no, the thing that was amazing for me was like it was like stepping back into a time where these things were super popular. Growing up, we had, you know, Quasar or Laser Tag always near us, but then it died out. It suddenly burnt out because of paintball and mm. things like this coming into fashion. But go-karting was one of these, it was almost like this luxury thing. Yeah. Um, and I'd only ever really done that. At a theme park, quick shout out, uh, Tivoli World in Spain, in uh, Costa del Sol, South Spain. And I'd only done that there because you have to wait as a kid to be old enough. Yeah. And then you have to wait for anyone to be bothered to do it. And it's quite an expensive hobby, eh? It is, yeah. That was the most painful thing for me back when I was younger, like seeing all my older cousins going around in the go karts and saying, I want to do that, but I couldn't. It's so, <laughs> so sad for Yeah. Me. So you always got that one friend mm. that's going all of these cool places every week and you just want to murder them, don't you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> murder your best friend, that's all good. Uh, good lesson for the kids at home. Obviously don't. No, uh, please don't. Just take them out for a nice meal and think nasty thoughts, but don't ever say anything. Uh, unless, so go cutting. Unless they insult your favourite anime, then uh, do as you please. Yes. <laughs> good advice. Sound <laughs> advice. But basically, um, go-karting as well, what was intriguing about this place, because as you're saying, it's one of the biggest tracks I think I've ever seen, personally. Indoor um, tracks. Indoor, yeah. That's a there good set There are quite setup. a few outdoor tracks as well around Birmingham. Yeah. They're, they're, well, around the Midlands area. Mm-hmm. Um, but outdoors in England is uh, usually like doing a wet lap on top gear. You don't get the best from it, and you often spin out. Literally. Literally. But um, <laughs> the thing that's quite cool about... The go-karts that I thought straight away was that they were electric. We're now in a future, kids. Mm-hmm. And uh, that gave you more control. Definitely. It was it was quite weird how you didn't get the kind of... Because I've only experienced the petrol motor sound mm-hmm. of a go-kart. Yeah. So it was very quiet as yeah. far as the carts were. Um, yeah. The tyres, obviously, <laughs> not so much. In fact, half the time I was getting chunks of Pete's tyres <laughs> in my face. Uh, 
<laughs> but that's that's neither here nor there. Uh, Pete's away in Florida. Yes. Well, he's actually flying right now, so we have to give a shout out to him mid Atlantic. Yes. Yeah. Flying straight over the ocean. Yep. Hopefully, uh, he won't be flying. Uh, we did warn him before he went. Uh, he's he's not the most qualified uh, flyer. We can testify. <laughs> We've seen him uh, attempting it on a swing in a park. Uh, it gets quite dangerous. But yeah, no, he was, uh, I'll tell you what, like at the go-karting thing, he was quite boisterous, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. He was very competitive, our Pete. Very, oh, yeah. very competitive. <laughs> Me and Shaq are just like casual Sunday drivers. Pete's a demon. <laughs> that's, that's how it is. It's like having Bowser for Mario Kart behind you at any given moment with a shotgun. That's basically <laughs> what it was like. And uh, I, I remember saying to Rico, and we have to give a shout out, the uh, circuit manager at the uh, go-kart place. Uh, Rico, uh, he he basically said at the start, you know, don't go too crazy and start like it's like dodging cars, mm. and that's to reassure him because we're all well theoretically we're all quite grown up to be doing this, <laughs> you know. Um, we've had to wait to the right age to get on a go kart and be sensible enough to drive them. Mm-hmm. That's what we've had to do. We we had a very abusive childhood, yes, didn't we? Yeah. Where we weren't allowed to do these things, everyone but us were allowed. Exactly. Um, so we finally managed it, which is. Great for us, and yeah, the problem was, obviously, uh, Pete, he was just mental, <laughs> and uh, the minute we started off, we were all being very cautious and careful, and then within five minutes, Pete was throwing us off the track, wasn't he? <laughs> well, Pete will tell you that that was your fault. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Pete will tell me it's my fault, even though I'm in front of him, and he <laughs> drives into me, which, I mean, I'm sure somewhere in the world. Yeah. That works out as uh, mm. definitely my fault. Mm. I mean, albeit I did hit the reverse quite a few times. Only joking. So yeah, moving on from the go kart, which was great. Um, we Fun will, time. yeah, we'll, we'll try and get Rico here to talk about the center at some point. Wynn's got some information about the place. Yeah, it's called uh, Teamworks Karting. It's in Digbeth, and I also wanted to thank Bobby who helped organize all of this. So if you do go to Teamworks Karting. Uh, and you uh, book a time slot, you'll probably be liaising with Bobby. Yeah. They were great guys. Very accommodating. Rico had some really awesome knowledge about film yeah. as well. You know, like yeah. filming the carts and stuff had a lot of suggestions, which was great. Yeah, ton of great ideas for uh, different camera angles, uh, different lights, like things that can, he could uh, allow things to be more authentic. Yeah, with, yeah. Uh, he was, trying, he was just trying to help us tell a story. Definitely. Great guy. Hopefully we'll get him on, on the show in uh, the next couple of months to just talk about the uh, Teamworks franchise because I think they cover a lot more than just the Midlands. I think they're... Are they nationwide? Uh, I think they have uh, three or four locations. Right, okay. But they're definitely a franchise. But they're a great place. Um, and I get the feeling, especially the go-karts, it's quite a... It's almost like a sport. Like, you know how you do five-a-side football every weekend when you're a kid? Well, I did. Um, dragged to it, I might have. <laughs> um, but a lot of uh, a lot of guys seem to go, go through there as a club. Like, I think they do trophy events and yeah. stuff like this. So. Yeah. It's really cool. A really good atmosphere. Really pro guys know what they're doing. Um, very safe. Mm-hmm. Very great people. And the laser tag was cool because that was literally stepping into nostalgia for yeah. me. It's like walking back in time. Have you ever done that before? I've up? done it once when I was younger, but that's about it. 
Did they ban you from it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I am. Um, I was trying to figure out why the guns wouldn't shoot actual bullets. So, uh, <coughs> all right. So you brought you brought your own ammunition. I had to. Yeah, I had you to. You know, See, my that, own that gun, my own ammunition, and yeah, everything. That definitely changes <laughs> yeah. the game. I, I remember um, way back when I was a kid in Redditch, they used to do these uh, unlimited sessions where you could be there for twenty four hours. Yeah. You just drop in in twenty four hours as many times as you want to play. Mm-hmm. And I walked in with valet gears on, mm-hmm. and it just went mental because obviously flashing lights on the heel was just like tripping everyone out and <laughs> shooting them behind them because I had eyes on the back of my head yeah it was a uh, different technology it's got a bit better I yeah, think yeah. subsequently mm-hmm. and they talk to you now and send you messages yeah exactly exactly they'll tell you when you've been hit they'll tell you when you're hitting somebody else they'll yeah. tell you to get to different locations and they'll tell you that you're stupid uh, they tell you that you should stay at home. Yeah. Uh, no, they don't. It's all it's, it's all positive, really. No, that's all in yeah. That's all in my well. That's just my path. They had mine specially programmed. But yeah, no, that was cool. Um, so moving on from there, we went to Stratford, and this is the day that Shaq unfortunately wasn't with us. Um, but we are going back, Shaq. Yeah. So we'll return to Stratford, and this day was quite a weird day. It was one of the. Kind of like an establishing pickup day where we were there to just kind of do, you know, minimal sort of jobs, really. One of those jobs involves one of the most, I think, underseen or definitely not, no one's really aware of this place, but quite a special place that you kind of kind of walk past quite often. So we're going to draw attention to it because it's, it's one of the last few remaining shops like this, which is an original uh, Tudor bookshop which is situated kind of off the high street, moving towards uh, opposite the Falcon Hotel. I think it's on Church Street. Right. Mm. And when will give you some information about this bookshop. The entrance is quite small, so you might miss it unless you're looking for it. It's called the Chaucerhead Bookshop, and um, it's really nice. If you like looking at old things... You go into this bookshop and you've got that smell of old books. Yeah, it's it's kind of like it's very special. Mm-hmm. It, there's a, it's it's very much a classic, like I said, very Tudor styled uh, bookshop, almost um, almost worthy of being a heritage. It's probably a heritage building, but it's mm-hmm. it's family run, isn't it? It is family run. Um, actually, the uh, there there's like three rooms I think that are filled with books, and it's it's really homely. Um, and I just want to shout out some thanks to uh, Cora and Richard who allowed us. Yeah, and, and we've got to be specific. We literally turned up. I, I walked into this bookshop out of curiosity a few times. Uh, Stratford, sort of um, my favorite town in England. It's near where I grew up. So it's kind of a home turf. And I'd been there for years and never seen this place. And um, obviously walked past because it's kind of in, it's, it is in a quite strange place. They've opened it up, especially in the summer with postcard stands mm-hmm. outside, which helps you. But we walked in, I think it was you and I for the first time. Mm-hmm. And we walked in there curious and their pet Labrador or whatever came out, really friendly dog. It's mm-hmm. just, it's just a beautiful place, man. It's like, really it's like a hidden gem really it's like a treasure yeah yeah every time we go to stratford i I insist on just popping through yeah going in there and (laughs) on faith alone we literally knocked on their door and said do you mind us filming in here and they were you know perfectly cool Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so uh props to them thank you everyone at the uh the best bookshop the chaucer head bookshop (laughs) in stratford best bookshop in the county possibly the midlands (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, that mm. might be challenged, but um, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll take we'll take you in there, Shaq. Okay. Your life will be changed okay. forever. I already feel like I know them by the way you were describing. Oh them. yeah, they sound like really really nice, genuine people. Mm. They're great. They it's always great, and they're very accommodating folks. They're always there to answer questions, and it's it just really is a special place. It is like dipping your your toes into the realm of the past, and it's quite specialist. A lot of the books they sell are very specialist areas, which are really hard to find as well. So it's just fascinating place. Took our American friends there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they were blown away with it. There are quite a few similar bookshops in London, but I think, uh, but the buildings they're in aren't as historical. Yeah. yeah. This yeah. really is like, like I said, it was really like taking a trip yeah. to the past. So, moving on from there, we had another helpful hand that day because um, when I was uh, applying Pete's makeup and stuff, the face paint, we didn't want to be sort of in the middle of the world doing it. Because this is just to set up Stratford this day. It was like high tour season. Mm-hmm. Stratford being Shakespeare's birthplace is one of the popular spots. Yeah, it was high tour season. And because of that, when I was trying to find a place, a decent place, we, we went to Cox's Yard, which if anyone's from the Stratford-upon-Avon area, they know Cox's Yard. It's kind of a landmark pub stroke venue. Uh, there's now a theatre there. It's It's kind of a complex now. And right at the bottom is a cafe called The Pantry. And they were kind enough to let us use their function rooms at the back, which is horrible. But they were just like, yeah, you know, we're, we're an hour till close and just go in there and, and use whatever you need and all this. Very cool people, mm-hmm. really cool mm-hmm. people. And uh, this is when uh, Joe and, and Wynn went off to uh, do some filming at a bookshop. We were doing Pete's face paint. Which was fascinating because every five minutes you'd get some of the staff coming through staring at Pete going like, that's a good look, what's that look then? (laughs) And we decided on uh, the chicken peacock face. Um, So anyway, it was really cool. The the staff were great, they were good sports. And uh, another great hangout, if you're ever in in that area, be sure to check out Cox's Yard Mm -hmm. and the pantry especially. It's a really cool little coffee shop. Mm -hmm. Lots of uh, fresh pastries and such, but really kind people and uh, clean place and just just a fun place. Really nice part of Stratford to be in. So we did that and we rushed out and then I was inspired because something was there that was not usually there and that was the Stratford Eye, which is just, I guess it's the Stratford Eye. It's just a very small eye. (laughs) Yeah, very tiny eye. But it's the Ferris wheel and of course... We're all big kids. I love Ferris wheels. Yeah, it's the only thing I can actually get when to go on in uh, theme parks or, you know, fairgrounds or whatever is a Ferris wheel. Everything yeah. else, she won't. Yeah. Yeah, she'll walk away screaming. <laughs> well, it's not because I don't like them. I just don't really see the point. I don't find it fun, that's mm. all. Mm. You don't find, like, roller coasters or anything like no. that? No. I went on so. one once because yeah. my friends insisted, but I'm just like, after it finished, I was just like, eh. Well, I think the thing is, Shaq, is mm. that in Hong Kong, there's these uh, form of transportation, which is the uh, minibus. Yeah. Or the flying coffins, as they're called. <laughs> and I think that when you've been on one of those, when you just standardly, a roller coaster looks safe. Do you know what I mean? When safety uh, isn't a feature of yeah. the area, when you go thing, somewhere that's safe, it's 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 simple. It's is easy. it exactly it? Because there's a difference between going upside down on a rail, which you know is perfectly safe, than being kick flipped <laughs> in a uh, minibus heading towards the ocean off a mountain. <laughs> Nothing that happens, but it can. Oh. You see, 
But yeah, no, that's the excitement Wynn gets. That's mm. her roller coaster. So mm. the Ferris wheel is just a nice way to be tall for a bit for her. <laughs> she gets to see the things that she usually misses. <laughs> so yeah, fantastic. So we went on that, and that was fun. A mm. um, bit pricey, yeah. if I'm honest. Had to sell our souls in a section of our foot. Mm. Is that right? <laughs> I mean, usually we just say arm and a leg, but... <laughs> oh, right, right. That's the same. Oh, okay. Same. Uh, I don't know which deals you've been I read, making. I read but... different books, obviously. Um, Mr. Men books teach all kinds of crazy stuff. Anyway, um, so yeah, the uh, the Ferris wheel was like... I think that was just a possibly a local thing that they were pulling off, but it was cool, man. It was You got some seriously impressive views off it, eh? Mm-hmm. Get to see the valleys, yeah. Any other valleys? Mm-hmm. The three sixty views of valleys. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, that was fun. From Stratford, we then went to. Okay, this was yesterday, so we actually went to Birmingham and saw a bird flying. According no. to <laughs> what do you want to say? Just say it. <laughs> we went to the Flapper, which is another pub. Right, we did see a bird flying. Yeah. I mean, off the camera, Wynn's doing these gestures at me like a bird flying. Oh, but what I would, not have, I would not have known what that was. No. I was like, what? I was trying to hint at what was next. <laughs> yes. As a good by, by clapping. It, it makes a lot of sense now. Um, I thought she was transforming up your... Yeah, it's, it's a bad time to be playing charades, don't you think? You're in the middle of a podcast and someone starts playing charades. It's a movie. I reckon it's a book. See, no one can see this but us, Shaq. So it's very cool. We can sense the wind. So the flapper, yes, with Wynn's amazing gestures. Now, the flapper, just to set it up, um, is actually one of the last remaining, the final of the original rock bars in Birmingham. Bearing in mind, Birmingham's scene of music is quite famous. Uh, the flapper is basically one of the last great stands of my Far gone era, and possibly the generation before me, but possibly my own because I'm fairly old, eh, Shaq? Um, I'm not saying anything, you know. O- older than 13, for sure. <laughs> Just slightly older. <laughs> I'd say eight, 17 max. Yeah, yeah, eh? yeah, max. Yeah. Like Pepsi Max. <laughs> so we're at the Flapper, and again, we inquired. Um, and they were cool. They let us have the, uh, the entire spectrum of their downstairs patio. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. View right on the canal. If you're ever in Birmingham, support the flapper. It's situated kind of opposite the canal. Um, it's quite a bit away. Near the NIA is a good... The, um, well, it's now the Barclay Card Arena, isn't it? Mm-hmm. All of these name changes. <laughs> you leave, Jack. You leave yeah. town for five minutes. They change the name of everything. <laughs> exactly. But the flapper remains. Yeah. That's the important thing. But it's a very special uh, place. It's got a lot of live entertainment. There's some great, like, it's just a great atmosphere. A lot of great music. Uh, yeah. An I outside mean, balcony and pool rooms and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I felt that, like, when I went into it, because I'd never been there before. So yeah. when I went in, I really, really felt a sense of um, sort of family, sort of culture that um, everybody's really stuck to, like, everyone knows who everybody well, is. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it is that. It's, it's basically the, uh, the rock scene, the alternative scene of Birmingham. And it is like, literally no judgment you just walk in there and everyone's cool yeah. it's kind of like the ultimate student bar as well don't you think mm-hmm. just very hip and trendy a lot of the stuff they serve is very uh there's a lot of indie stuff there's a lot of underground stuff there's mm-hmm. a lot of just global stuff it's it's just really cool place yeah and really they're very much fun. it seems like they're very much stuck to their roots as well whereas many other bars around birmingham have um, have um, opened up to doing like uh, other things that have stopped them yeah, from yeah. really staying true to themselves, but allowed them to remain relevant. 
Yeah, uh, the flapper's done its best to remain relevant while staying true to itself. So it's, it's very true, relevant. and and it's just like it's a multi-functioning place. There's like projections. They usually have like films playing on. So sort of, they have a Halloween thing. We, I mean, I've been going to the flapper since I was a teenager. So for me, it's always been kind of like a home from home, especially in Birmingham. But yeah, no, it's a really cool place, and we have to support it because. You know, it's, it, it really is the last of a scene. It's mm-hmm. the, the final one. So, yeah, if you get to go to Birmingham, check it out. It's way worth your time, especially mm-hmm. over the weekend. Safe place. Always happy. Always yeah. vibrant. Always always good people. Just yeah. a great, great place to be. And there's venues downstairs as well as upstairs live music. So check it out. I think they probably have a website. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't use the internet. I'm old school. I don't know why I'm from Bristol, but apparently I am. So that was the flapper. Great day. Um, from there, we move on to uh, pointing at the ground, according to Wynn. No, today. I'm thinking, oh, today. Is that what pointing at the ground means? I don't read signals unless they're smoke signals. I'm dated like that. Um, yeah, so which brings us forward to today. And today we were at the ball ring. Yep. You know where that is? Mm, uh, I've heard of it. <laughs> I'm kind of familiar with it. Yeah. The Boring being uh, the shopping mall of Birmingham. Mm-hmm. A lot of history to it, but we won't bore you with that. Mm-hmm. We were at Virtuax. Yes, we were. It's a place that very, very much specialises in uh, VR, so um, virtual reality, uh, being able to put on a pair of goggles or a headset and uh, look around um, and uh, see the game inside. So um, actually look around and everywhere you look is the game. Uh, there's different things coming at you and you react to them through uh, either a, a controller or two um, hand controllers that you have. And uh, yeah, it's really, really fun experience. Yeah. Well, it's it's kind of one of these things that, um, again, like just rolling the clock back to the, I think it was the early to mid-90s, the arcade in which is now Chinatown in Birmingham had a very specific arcade. I think it was Sega World or something like that. Um, but it was it was only there for months. I think it was there for about half a year. It could have been traveling. But they had a virtual reality installment upstairs. Mm-hmm. And I remember my dad and I had a go at this. I was, you know, fairly young at the time. And we had to go on one of the uh, the systems, and they lock you in this thing. And at the time, obviously, the graphics were nothing like today. It was all blocky and, you know, very, like, virtual fighter, like mm. I was telling you, very polygons. Mm. But, again, you got that 360 vibe, and the, the sensor tech and all of this stuff was fairly damn good at that time even. But today was quite special, eh? Yeah, 100%. Like, today was... Well, it's quite radical. What was your your experience was different to mine? So we'll go where you were first. Yeah. So um, my experience had me playing a sort of a shooting game where you were put in a sort of a research facility, let's say, and um, there were a ton of uh, bad guys, uh, robots, and uh, a ton of things basically trying to uh, kill you. Female and ninja. Female ninja as well. <laughs> oh, she was difficult to beat. But um, yeah, there were uh, quite a few uh, different things that were trying to attack and kill you. And uh, you had weapons, uh, you had guns that you'd be able to shoot at them. And it's really, really intuitive. Like, I'm so bad at shooting games. Like, you don't ever want to see me playing a shooting (laughs) game. But I was actually landing shots on these people. I think it was um, more because uh, instead of using controllers, analog sticks and buttons, I was actually using my own arm and my hand. So I was able to get a little bit more precision that way. 
and then um, I was landing really good uh, shots on them, and uh, you know I was actually doing okay in the game, and yeah. Like well, I, I think I think because we we only got to see we saw um, in the in the setup we were in a back room, which was totally clear. There was no furniture whatsoever, and within that back room, we got to see everything that you were seeing on mm-hmm. on your in your goggles mm-hmm. on the screen. Mm-hmm. So what was quite amazing for watching it was basically the fact that the movement, and this is something I need to point out, when we played this in the night, is it was like you were trapped inside a circle set up yeah. to stop you from obviously bumping into stuff or knocking things over. Mm-hmm. This time round, the whole room was your, your world. Yeah. And what blew my mind was like literally when you turn, you turn, everything is legitimately in sync. Mm-hmm. To the point where you have to crouch behind cover. Exactly. I mean, you're done. looking at like literally a first person shooter. Yeah. To the you know, it's it's saying it's standard graphics, kinda of like Call of Duty, something like this. You know, which is crisp as hell, it's like mm-hmm. uh, all H D stuff and that's amazing in itself. But the fact that you literally are in sync. Yeah. And, you know, it's like uh, our mate Connor who's running the, the show. He'll be with us. So we're not going to focus too much on VX right now, VirtuX. We're going to bring Connor in and we'll talk about the whole setup. But he was great because he was, like, literally helping Shaq around, guiding him. Because, you know, it's like it really throws you. Mm-hmm. He was and basically single-handedly making sure that I didn't hurt. Well, or... it's, it's just funny because he was saying, like, you know, because you were like, yeah, like crouch behind cover. Which button do I press? And it's like, no, mate, you crouch. You actually you know get down I mean? on your knee and crouch. And that was one of the moments where I'm like, wow, dude. And it literally was like, you crouch in the same exact position yeah. you're crouching. I'm yeah. like, this is crazy, man. So just seeing it, because it's always this comedy thing where you watch, and it was the same back in the day when VR was a thing before. Everyone who's watching is more entertained. Mm arguably than the guy playing it because they're just watching this dude like fighting invisible <laughs> stuff or whatever yeah with you Shaq it was quite amazing because the synchronicity obviously I'm watching a game and, and you know the way games are today are believable you're in a believable realm and stuff like this but it was so high tech like buttons to press to slow speed down you've got that kind of bullet time stuff definitely and uh i was expecting him halfway through to say oh man you should dive and roll and then <laughs> start doing backflips in the room and stuff you know i was kind of thinking i had to do that how uh, difficult some of the levels got <laughs> yeah, like, yeah yeah oh. yeah like in the future actually like doing jump flips and stuff yeah. but no it's quite amazing to see it and um then you know, I was I was pushing him to walk the plank, so I, <laughs> so I'd done I'd done my job well enough. They decided to send me off the pirate ship, eh, <laughs> into the sharks. But that, I mean, again, like I, I just want to set this up because it's important to give you this because obviously with Connor we're going to talk more about uh, the actual business of it and what they do. But for me, you you literally get these goggles put on you. And it's sort of like everything now is like it's super streamlined. It's a lot more comfortable than the old days where it literally felt like you had a crash helmet on or whatever. Yeah. Your senses, all but taste and smell, are literally within a five-minute count mm-hmm. in that world. Mm-hmm. It's one of the weirdest things because, like, you put that thing on and for the first sort of ten seconds on the visor, it's a video game. Yeah. It's just closer. Yeah. And then you realise... As you now look down at your hands with the controllers, they're absolutely identical yeah. to when you last saw them, but they're white Literally. instead of black. Yeah. 
And it was literally a head trip. You're mm. like literally in there and everything's legit and mm. you're looking left and right and everything in your vision is in this world now. Mm. And the longer you're in that world, really the separation is quite incredible, eh? Exactly. It's, exactly. Like, it's like coming out of something, eh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, through the headphones as well. The headphones made it uh, really sound like, especially in the game that I was playing, it re- made it really sound like everything was either a distance or close to you. Yeah. When you got close to them, things got really loud. When you moved away from it, things got really quiet. And it really made you feel like you were in the middle of that world fighting off yeah. these enemies. It's, it's, it, it was quite, it's quite breathtaking because the plank thing, and this sounds so stupidly lame. I, I've had this experience, and this is actually going to be the segue that we'll walk into video games in a minute. But the, the thing that I noticed was, okay, so... There's been a few evolutions in the video game world, right? And one of the biggest ones was the leap from, say, a normal flat screen handheld to the 3DS. Mm-hmm. And when you first suddenly play with that augmented reality on the 3DS yeah. and it pops and you're just like really excited by the technology, it's yeah. just super smart and you don't mm-hmm. quite know how to put your finger on it, but something's really decent, you know? Yeah. It's like all you're really doing is opening a 3D box and getting a little gimmick gift out, right? Yeah. yeah. But something special about that mm-hmm. because it's a, it's a new level. It's mm-hmm. a, it's like a new interactive experience. What I found with this was the beginning of Plank, and I did nothing near as as ambitious as what we threw you at. But I walk into this elevator, and it's just the weird like because part of my brain knows right that I'm in this concrete floored box room, right? Yeah. I know that. <laughs> But for some reason, you want to believe I'm legitimately in an elevator right now, the marble floor, mm. you know, this this beautiful graphic, whatever. And then he goes, right, now press the elevator. And I'm doing it with my finger, like an idiot. And he's like, no, not with your finger, idiot. Because we didn't say that. Because I would have. He didn't. But with the pad, the pad is your hand now. Okay, cool. So the little grip thing, which is like the most advanced, yeah, you know, yeah, it's Wii very, controller. Very one-to-one yeah, one yeah, it's, it's amazing, right? Mm. So then you tap the button, and as soon as you tap it, the sound of the button, everything is real life. The 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 um, vibration acts like a pressure, so you literally feel like you've just pressed the thing with your fist, which is a bit weird because we don't operate like that. Well, I did when I was probably two, but not now. But man, like that really set it up. And then like, because the whole thing about me is like interactivity. I love cinema for that reason. I love theatre for that reason, site-specific. I love to be as as close to the fiction or whatever as I can be. And literally, it puts you in an elevator. For yeah. all sakes and purposes, that's where you are. Yeah. And it's crazy. Door opens. You're standing under the ledge of a skyscraper. Which is really bad building design, by the way. I mean, you go up in an escalator, and then all you have is a plank of wood between you and death. I'll, yeah. I'll have to talk to him about that. <laughs> well, I don't know. Sounds good to me. I think what we should do is uh, reenact what I experienced with Pete. Okay. But not in virtual reality. Just do it. You know, because I'm sure Pete will be game for it. Yeah, I'm sure he always is. Go on. I did the same thing as uh, Danny with the elevator and yeah. the plank. Uh, but for me, I'm not a games person. So I'm, I wouldn't say skeptical, but I'm not like super interested or super enthusiastic. But I, I think skeptical I is actually the right word. <laughs> I don't believe it. It's not. A, anyway, uh, I mean, I don't like yeah, uh, for all coasters. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, the the point is, the cool thing about it was you put it on and you're like, as you said, you know you're in a video game. You know it's a screen, 
But the point for me was when I turned around. Yeah, no, and that's suddenly the you're thing. like, whoa, hold on, it's really disorientating. <laughs> well, it's it's like in terms of your uh, awareness of space. Again, it's like this. It's like I said about the 3ds. When you play video games on a flat screen all your life, and you suddenly have the same flat screen on your eyes, because that's all you know that we're all sensible. We're all mm. adults. We know that it's not a magical realm. Yeah. Um, but the flat screen on your eyes suddenly. That's for the first five seconds. You're just looking at a screen and going, yeah, it's a screen. Yeah. This isn't going to impress me. It's just a screen. It's like your, your first impression is I'm playing Call of Duty, right? Yeah. But there's a few gimmicks added. Yeah. And then you look down at your hands and that's the first thing you go, what? Because it's literally like the same, like I'm saying, it's the same exact thing that you've just seen, yeah. but now pixelated. Mm-hmm. And then the thing that tripped me out, it's exactly what you said. I... Because I'm so used to gaming. You feel analog. This mm. is where you feel analog and you become digital, you know. Because for the first five seconds, you just like, oh, I can't look around because yeah. that's not the logic. Yeah. You have to move to do that. On yeah, a yeah. And then you do look around. And I swear to God, if that guy had had like, and he could have, he could have been meaner than hell. And the minute you look around, there's this monster staring at you. I literally would have died. That would have been it. That would have been me over. You know, can you imagine that? Yeah. You're in a 360 room. Use it, buddy. All right. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you know. Oh, dude. Yeah, yeah. But it's basically like so real yeah. that you get the depth. You get the, the literally, um, you, you mentally know you're in a video game. Mm. It's kind of like when you play the Wii or you play the uh, Wii U or something like this, especially Nintendo. Mm-hmm who develop these worlds that are just fun to be in. Yeah. They're not complicated. Mm-hmm. No. It doesn't have to be like uh, literally photographic realism, but it's really fun to be there. And and I haven't experienced, again, I haven't experienced that since the 3DS evolution. You know, this was the next thing for me. This was like as exciting because literally you walk that plank and he's like, now I want you to walk off the plank. And my brain's going... Don't want to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I really don't want to. And he's like, no, just do it. And then I'm like, oh yeah, I'm still in a room and I've still got a concrete floor and it's all gonna be fine. I'm not actually, yeah, yeah. I'm not actually gonna feel it. I'm cool. I'm cool. And you know it. And so in the background, Shaq's like, yeah, just walk is stupid. And I'm joking. He's, he's like, Come on, I got all day. I don't want to wait. What you're standing? You on a plank? Yeah, it's boring. Anyway, no, it's cool. And and basically, as you fall off, you go down, and it gets you used to that because the next thing I did. Was the uh, the fire? It's like a fireman thing where you have to go around the city, almost like a pseudo Iron Man firefighter, mm-hmm. where you've got a jetpack uh, launcher in one hand and a hose in the other, and you go around and you have to orientate the city by putting fires out. Now, again, if this was in the top ten chart games of a standard analog world PlayStation flat screen experience. You'd have to be an idiot to get it. It's almost up there with Goat Simulator. Yeah, <laughs> hey, but, that has quite a lot of fans. I know. Quite a lot of fans. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Don't. Know. So basically, I mean, that's like it's not a, it's not an easy sell, right? Mm-hmm. But in this world, and it's just as exciting as Nintendo on their good day. Something so simplistic becomes mm-hmm. one of the coolest things ever, and you literally feel like Iron Man. Mm-hmm. You literally do. Mm-hmm. Of course, you ain't going to do the flips and the hoo ha hoos. Mm-hmm. Because you ain't got there yet, but no, it's really cool, and I, I loved that. It's quite, it's quite daunting, mm-hmm. and the more you're in it, and I had about five minutes in it where you had quite a while. Yeah, in it. I had quite a while in it, and 
like when I uh, when I first got into it, I was just like, eh, you know, it's a game. I've played games. Like yeah, this yeah, before. yeah. It's not fun. But the further I got into it, the more I began to forget that I was in a room. I began to forget that um, there were people around me. There was a guy making sure I didn't go too close to the wall. Or well, you hear anybody. voices on the outside, right? Yeah, yeah. But you, you're almost like the more you stay in this place, you, the more you feel you're in this place. Mm-hmm. That's Definitely. how it is because yeah. you get used to it. You mm-hmm. get over that kind of original sort of I'm falling down a skyscraper and you're suddenly like, I'm in a video game, but I'm in it. <laughs> you know, you look down, you can see, you can look behind, you can see. It's just absolutely ridiculous. I think the sense of hearing is really key about this. Like Shaq mentioned. Yeah, about it's the magic. distance. Yeah, of, of course. You know, and the sense of space. And once you're in it, yeah. then uh, like for me, when the elevator doors closed, the atmosphere, like, uh, Orally, the the sound well, you of get the atmosphere. The, you even get the elevator yeah, music. Yeah, it's closed as yeah, well. Yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. I, I found that really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but it's really like it's sense play, um, much like they use in certain three D cinemas now. Yeah. Uh, how they have the, the vibration chairs or the, you know, the forty effects with the sound, the the water spraying or the smoke or whatever. It's it's kind of like the thing that I I found really amazing about VR and bearing in mind this is possibly it's probably accurate to say this is probably the second generation interpretation of it that's sort of become packaged at least you really do and and I think it was really exciting for me because when you did take those goggles off when enough's enough and you are always conscious that you're not there but yeah. you you kind of believe it more the time you're in definitely. Not in a dangerous way, but in a way that you accept it, mm-hmm. you know, like any entertainment. It and it really, yeah, yeah, of course. And it really does. And then when the mask comes off, you're kind of got this like natural high a bit. Yeah. Do yeah, you know what I mean? You're almost like, I've just seen something proper special. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it feels like you've, um, you've gone to a place where, and, and when you take the goggles off, nobody else has been there. So it's yeah. like, you've, yeah, you've your been place. In this place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is the sign of all good uh, games, games yeah. or, or stories mm-hmm. or films or whatever. You, yeah. you have a personal experience, books even. Mm-hmm. Yeah, immersive stories. Yeah. yeah, 100%. But it really is. Like, as far as video game revolution, it's total immersion. Mm-hmm. And it really does make me just hope for the future that we all have a room where we have our VR room in every house, <laughs> you know, next to the kitchen. But no, it's really important. And I, I love that. So... We'll, we'll talk to the uh, Virtuex guys in the near future. And again, they were really helpful, really cool. Um, yeah, very shout out to Aaron as well, who, mm-hmm. who helped us set up the day. Uh, but great guys, really mindful, very careful. Uh, really appreciate uh, the input that you put in or the uh, feedback. Constantly explaining things as you go along. Yeah, I like, like Rico where they had their own ideas for how they can make um, lighting and oh, stuff yeah. like that a little yeah. bit better. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mood well. lighting. Mm-hmm. They can darken the room out. They can, you know, it's these guys. And, and this is something I'm going to just say to wrap it up because we won't do this when Connor is here, but to wrap up the VirtuX experience, not just the virtual reality, but they really care about you and it's almost a hybrid place where you want to say it's like the the current modern day arcade of this generation but to me it felt more like a community yeah like an arcade community that's also a cafe a bit it's just a hangout zone yeah everyone everyone there was genuinely interested in either games or virtual reality yeah. itself it and they know what they're talking about they're exciting guys to talk to they guide you through the motions, almost like um, it's almost like if you are in the sort of beginner class, which we all are when we start this thing. They guide you through it. They make sure that you're reassured. 
um, they get you aware because it is such a shock on the senses. It really is like you, you really walk in there thinking, oh, I know all of this. It's a video game easy. Really, after five minutes, you realize it's not. And you, you sort of need someone to coach you through it. Definitely. So they're great at that. And yeah, no, great experience. Mm-hmm. Really cool place. Thanks. And I, I wish them all the best because yeah. I, hope, I hope we see this take off big time. All advocated for it. It's really good. Yeah. So moving on, video games. Yes. My, yes. Uh, what I like to call my expertise, but really I know nothing about. <laughs> I'm only joking though. Um, I know quite... Uh, video games for me has been a passion for quite a long time. Because, of course, like like anybody would, using video games as an escape from um, reality is what you do. Um, so I used to do that a lot back when I was younger as well. And then I felt that um, I could really uh, learn and understand things a lot more from video games, from yeah. the video games that I play. A lot of it is fantasy, but a lot of it has a lot of um, life sort of morals and how a good way to live your life and um, a good way to interact with others. So. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop you on that because it's a really interesting thing that you said this. Um I, obviously, my generation is slightly different. If you look at my generation, when we were kids, we had, um, you know, pretty much Pong, where mm-hmm. it's, it's literally just two graphics playing tennis, you know. Um, we've seen the evolution uh, through the 80s, through the 90s into today. Um, we've seen literally the evolution. And one thing that I always find really interesting, if you just mention video games, and this is possibly why wins separated from the, the medium, if mm-hmm. you will, is that because people have a memory of how they used to be, mm-hmm. being the first platformers or the NES days where it was like yeah. top-down and 8-bit or whatever yeah. graphics, they kind of, you start fawning off these stories and you're saying like, oh no, I've played something that was revolutionary. Yeah. It, it was one of the best stories I've ever been a part of sort yeah. of thing. It's I mean, a hell of an experience. And you actually legitimately get memories from these games. 100%, you know, definitely. And I always said to, um, you know, my, me old man, me, me father, you know, they're not Mario anymore. We've evolved since then. Obviously, yeah. everyone knows text moved on in phones and all this, but a lot of people, they, they stigmatize the games because they don't realize that there is a lot of heart. Mm-hmm. Developers are incredibly international these days, you know, and it's it's a fascinating thing. So my question for you is, what was the first game you ever got? Okay. Oof. Okay, the first... Roughly. Yeah. The first game that I ever got was one that was actually given to me by my dad because right. he was event he was actually gonna throw it away, but I was like, oh, you know, let me let me let have me play, it. let me have a go at it. Yeah. So um, I think it was Sonic the Hedgehog on the Sega Mega Drive. Oh, wow, <laughs> that's positively modern, Shaq. What are you talking about? <laughs> but yeah, I think that was the first game that I ever played. Absolutely loved it. Completed everything there was to complete on that game. And then um, he had another game that he would just randomly found as well, Sonic and Tails. So it was like yeah. the sequel the to sequel, that one. Sonic so, Two. Um, yeah, yeah, I played that. A was lot an amazing that game. Well. Actually, I have a memory of that because me and my mate in Liverpool, Dave Morkai, if you're listening, you're right, Dave. How are you doing, mate? Um, but we we used to like we kind of like family friends. So they're sort of like relatives, really, to me. But we would spend some of our year going to visit them, and they'd come to see us, and we we alternate like that. And every time, because Dave was one of the fortunate kids that got a Mega Drive, yeah. I was never allowed anywhere near one. Mm. Uh, no, <laughs> I always had the NES, so I was like, like dealing with Nintendo at the time, and Mega Drive and Super Nintendo. So yeah. when we would play the Mega Drive, he had Sonic 2. Mm. And it was one of the first real, 
I mean, there's obviously a lot of arcade stuff, but it was one of the first real two-player split-screen concepts yeah. I remember. Yeah, yeah. And it was so, it was like also one with the 3D uh, graphics because you know it hits the different view, so you go third-person yeah. front view and you're running through the tubes. Yeah, there was a um, you know uh, what was it? There was like a it was like a Chaos Emerald sort of um, special. Area yeah, there was where that. Yeah, you actually, you've got to be 3D. And it's a race. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. was. Yeah, man. And I remember. That, and I also remember we had Mickey Mouse Castle of Illusion, mm. which makes me sound super macho and, and genius. Um, <laughs> but both of those were like two-player games at the time, and it was it was just so crazy. It's like that split-screen era that, that's now the online era, you yeah. know, the online gaming era. But yeah. I remember one of the best things about those times, and we lived around it and did a lot of sightseeing and tourist shops and stuff like this, but I always remember like that being the best time ever yeah, you just have like yeah. hours and hours and hours and we were we'd always get to this point and be rubbish after mm. that we just gave up and then started wrestling each other you know mm. until his mom slapped us around the head <laughs> hey but no like it's cool and just to say that's just to set this up we now evolve the future so the first game being roughly sonic yeah um what are you sort of into these days um i'm a big big advocate of the legend of zelda um that game has been with me from childhood, and it was kind of by accident that I even became a fan of uh, Zelda. <laughs> but um, yeah, Zelda's been a really, really big part of me. Uh, Nintendo in general, uh, at the time of this recording, Super Mario Odyssey isn't out yet, but it's a game that I'm really, really looking forward to. Um, Nintendo's been doing well. Uh, PlayStation as well. Uh, the PlayStation 4 has just released an absolute ton of different JRPGs. Yeah, we were talking about that, actually, mm -hmm. when I first met you. <laughs> yeah, um, we were talking about the fact that the... Well, it's interesting times in uh, the Japanese market because there, there's always... Like, being from Hong Kong, like we always see um, a lot of games are released... Through Asia exclusively, mm -hmm. classically speaking. Yeah. And this has been the case for the past 10 years, really. Yeah. Where we'd have a limited source of Asian uh, games or yeah. even like DVDs or films or whatever coming into the UK or the US market. Mm -hmm. Our market's really twin to the US market. There's not much difference, yeah. to be fair. Yeah. Europe and US are about the same market with Australia. Mm -hmm. But as these games start pouring into Asia, you always pick up the odd one. Mm. have no idea what anyone's saying, but mm. you try and get through these things <laughs> saying, hey, Win, these words look like something you'd understand translate. But when you know, Win struggles to, you know, because it's Japanese as opposed to Chinese or whatever. Yeah. But you get like um, some really amazing stuff and you just wish that they'd be translated or dubbed or whatever. And it's interesting because the time that... Um, we were talking about this in the shop about J uh, JRPGs and stuff. It was about the time of Persona 5, eh? Yeah, yeah. Back, back when um, that released a few months ago, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Persona being a series in Japan, um, which is very special, kind of like the turn-based uh, systems that Final Fantasy made famous, things like that. But it's very modern. It's yeah. like a modern metaverse. So you deal with a very normal world as... Uh, and uh, metaverse that over goes that's very super heroic mm -hmm. universe very true to the japanese culture of sort of anime mm -hmm. storytelling and stuff but it's it's just a real like i can set this up but you're best to play it and have a go at it it's just really cool and it's really um, it's got a lot of charm a lot of charm loads of charm but yeah. it's also I, I think the thing that that makes persona um a series that's incredible is that the the team behind it in japan 
work a lot with uh, psychiatrists yeah. and social workers, and they're actually making a game designed to help kids um, get through school and stuff like this socially, and, and it's very, very positive. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it doesn't even feel like, even for me, like being my age, it doesn't feel too weird. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's, it's very adult, it's yeah. very um, intelligent, but there's a lot of it that's great, and if high school had been like Persona, I, I, mm-hmm. I would have loved it, Yeah, to be fair. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the themes that um, Persona deals with uh, they have, uh, they know about the, a lot of the things that um, kids are going through yeah. at school right now. So they try and do it in a slightly lighthearted way, but also a way that uh, helps you get through it. So um gives you guidance, gives you advice, yeah. and, like through the characters that are actually in it, because they'll say, oh, I, I feel like this. And then another character will say, well, try doing this. Well, it's, I mean, it's part high school simulator, mm-hmm. which deals with the dramas and turbulations, especially in Asia. A lot of the topics being more relevant when you've lived in Asia and you see them, pressures of like uh, exams being quite intense in Asia, yeah. the darkness that that can create, uh, just uh, social uh, havoc really. But it, the thing that's really cool about Persona is um, you actually sit exams in it. You do. So you, you're questioned and it develops your memory. Mm-hmm. You're learning facts that you wouldn't even think about looking up. But, you mm-hmm. know, it, it's it's very interactive, not only in the human world, but in the meta- metaverse all of those things you learn and the the topics have some kind of sentient meaning in the metaverse yeah. because you'll use skills later. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely amazing <laughs> in that sense. Yeah, it all just connects up together. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really cool. It's like psychological tricks along the way and then it all makes sense at the end. Very, mm-hmm. very wrapped up. Really cool. Worthwhile playing. And it was that that led me to tell you about Yakuza, which is a series of games. Mm-hmm. And I've been playing these since... The first one came out uh, on a PlayStation, I believe it was a PS2. I think it was. Don't quote me on that. (laughs) I think it was. So from the early 2000 era, it's a Sega developed game. And it's really funny because there's been so many of these games. I think it's on the sixth one, which is the final of the the main arc of story that's covered the main character. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Um, And the sixth one released in Asia and Japan earlier this year. Mm Mm-hmm. And then they released Zero. Yeah. And they released Zero not only in Japan, but they did the uh, the sort of Western uh, translated version here in America. It mm-hmm. doesn't have everything the Japanese has because mm-hmm. something is super cultural to Japan yeah. that we wouldn't always understand. Mm-hmm. But I would say 95% of the game's intact. Mm-hmm. And I love the story. These games are like a soap opera that you play, mm-hmm. to be honest. Yeah. It's very much a, a game. Like it's not one of these things like Hard Rain, where it's kind of like a suggested game. You mean Press heavy try, rain. yeah, sorry, he- Heavy Rain. Hard Rain's a movie with Christian Slater. Well done, high five. That's just my age. Heavy Rain. Mm. Thank you. That's an interactive movie. This is actually a thing where the story is just as relevant. Yeah, like it really is one of the best stories yeah. ever in a video game. And basically, yet the gameplay is so quirky and super Japanese. There's a lot of Japanese-style jokes and thematics that just seem ludicrously wacky and warped in our world. But in Japan, you can see the comedy if you ever know uh, Takeshi Kitano. Mm. uh, Beat Takeshi is called. um, To us, I think, is his nickname. Uh, He does a lot of these wacky kind of surreal comedy films and Mm. stuff. That's what he's known for. And we see him as a Yakuza gangster kind of character. Yeah in the more sort of Western released films he's done. Mm-hmm. He's also in Ghost in the Shell uh, recently uh, with Scarlett Johansson. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but basically, in the Yakuza world, you get a lot of celebrities. Yeah. There's a lot of Tokyo law in it. Mm-hmm. Everything is very much uh, based on something true to life. And in Zero, what was amazing is like it did so well mm-hmm. in the UK. Probably yeah. the first top selling Yakuza game. Bearing in mind it has gone to three or four here, I think. Yeah. Uh, on a PlayStation 2 and 3. Mm-hmm. But this one then made everyone in Japan see the sales got so relevant mm-hmm. suddenly that everyone in Japan was like, oh, we should actually relaunch the whole thing in HD on, you know, so now they're releasing yeah, 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 all yeah. of their Yakuza games, mm-hmm. which is a bit of a celebration. Yeah, Too bad I'm going back to Hong Kong, eh? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, whatever. But no, um, that was cool to see, man. And mm. and that's a bit of a, for me, that's a silent victory, really, for mm, Japan. Definitely, definitely. You know? I mean, I, th- I feel like the entire beginning of this year has been really a silent victory. Well, a loud, loud. loud yeah. I mean, games like Neo Automata, yeah. uh, Neo, like you said, Yakuza, Persona yeah. Five. There's a, another big one that I'm forgetting. They released Kingdom Hearts as yeah. well, a full HD collection. Yeah. Of Kingdom well, Hearts, Final so. Fantasy Fifteen wasn't a small exactly. one. Exactly. Final Fantasy Fifteen. I was forgetting one. <laughs> that's Final a, Fantasy that's a large one. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's uh, Squaresoft, which. Well, Square Enix now. Yeah, Square Enix, Square Enix uh, is actually a Japanese and UK merged mm. company. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, are. yeah. I know they've got a big office in London. Yeah, really, really big office in London. Yeah, it's, I think it's IDOS Interactive that merged with SquareSoft mm. and became Square Enix. But they also uh, print one of my favourite animes. They're, mm. they're the Square Enix of the guys behind Dorara. Yeah. Anyway, that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> we're just taking you down Nerdville now. Um, but basically, yeah, when we were saying about the the releases, even if you look at what's coming uh, up, you know, in the, in the next year as well, because mm-hmm. it was Neo was a big one yeah, as well. Neo was a really big one. Nobody expected Neo to sell as well as it did. Yeah. And the amount of um, people that have come up to me and uh, said that they wanted to buy the game, but it sold out everywhere. Yeah. And I'm just... I've, I've just said to him, you know, that this year has been the year of Japan's games, and yep. it has been. Because you had um, Last Guardian, mm-hmm. which I think was around Christmas. Yeah, that sold really well as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it, it's quite good to see it. Like Sony being Japanese anyway, mm-hmm. uh, under license in Europe and America, but it's really positive to see it because to me, as you as you and I discuss quite a lot, the storytelling in Japan is. And I've said this repeatedly through the podcast, but it really is to me the best story uh, tellers of our generation are coming from Japan right now, definitely, or definitely. Korea. Yeah. Korea is pretty good too. Mm-hmm. Throw um, to Korea. I feel like the biggest thing about it as well is uh, the fact that Sony themselves, uh, because they've got the PlayStation, a lot of these really, really big Japanese games are only being released on their console, which yeah. means their consoles are selling as well. Yeah. So it's it's great for Japan in general. Yeah, Nino no Kuni two comes out soon. Yeah, as well. that's yeah. the Studio Ghibli uh, franchise. For, I think they did the animation. I'm not sure. There's definitely yeah, they like, definitely did the animation. Yeah, for that yeah. One. The previous one sold uh, really really well, but everybody was expecting it was going to be uh, a kind of one game thing. And then they come out with a second one, and everybody lost their mind because they because they love the first one so well, much. Well, I had experience of the first one, yeah. and I remember I think I was in Hong Kong when the first one came out, and for me, um, it was it was a little bit. I don't want to say condescending; it's not the right word, but it was very childish. It was very childish, you know. Um, by the looks of the second one, I think they've addressed it to mm-hmm. make it a wider audience because yeah. I've seen. 
And and here's the difference then to now, mate. So that was a PS3 release, Nino Cooney, mm-hmm. the first one. Now, I've seen some of the, the uh, trailers, and it literally is anime yeah. on you control. It's yeah. it's ridiculous as far as like blurring lines. Mm-hmm. That is possibly by far the most animated animation on a video game I've ever seen. Definitely, you know, definitely. they say Last Guardian's good. That looked way better. To yeah, me, but yeah. It's it's like um, with the Naruto, also the Ninja Storm games, mm-hmm. especially on the PS4. Mm-hmm. Um, there is some serious stuff on that. That again, there, there's a new one of those. There's uh, yeah, there's there's going to be a, like a Ninja Burst or something as uh, well. Yeah, oh Striker. Be- Shinobi Striker. Yes, yeah. That yeah. looks crazy. Mm-hmm. There's going to be that one as well. And uh, also, there's going to be like a collection of, of all, all of the, the old, um, yeah. old uh, Naruto games, games as well yeah. that's going to be coming out. Yeah. That's going to be really good as well. And um, on the topic of anime games as well, Dragon Ball Fighter. Yes. Dragon well, that's Ball actually Fighters. an exciting one because Windgrub, this is one of the only games Wind's ever played as a kid. She grew up playing the Street Fighter 2 Dragon Ball sort of. Yeah, Style it was. Um, I think it was the first generation PS2. Mm. Right. I think because I've I've looked at PS1 and I don't recognize it, so I think it was like one of the old PS2s. It could have been a PS1. It could have been. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking God, about. Where'd you find it? <laughs> only in only in the entertainment capital of electronics in the world. <laughs> only in Asia. Yeah, yeah. Wind's different. <laughs> Just to set this up. Video games in Asia, big thing. Yeah, big but you know, thing. but like when Wynn's just like you know, she's uh, more interested in uh, really doing the things that yeah. we do in video games. Yeah, she, no, she, she's that. she basically runs across rooftops every night, like mm-hmm. Mirror's Edge. Yeah, mm-hmm. obviously. yeah. She shoots a lot of people, like <laughs> yeah. in Call of Duty. Yeah. Uh, you know, no. you can't take <laughs> you can't take her anywhere. <laughs> so anyway, you you loved that Dragon Ball game, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. Because it mean, was Street Fighter, really, but Dragon much. Ball, yeah. Pretty much. There's a lot of button mashing. Because mm. <laughs> I remember, I remember, and this is a weird thing about traveling. In America, when I was in Florida, I was probably age 11, going where Pete is now. Yeah. I had this thing to just grab magazines. Mm. And at the time, the US market with everything was ahead of us. Yeah. Way ahead of us here. Mm. Um, now it's sort of become synchronized. But then you, you'd say, so like... We just got Mortal Kombat, mm-hmm. you know, or something like this, and they're already on Mortal Kombat three, that kind of thing. And so yeah. they're talking about Mortal Kombat three, and I'm like, what? <laughs> and they're like, in the last game, what? Yeah. There's, a, there's, a, there's a what? There's a second one, nah, <laughs> you, you know. And it's just like this evolution was crazy. And I remember reading at the time the game that Win was saying. I think it was actually on Neo Geo, by the way, or something that was Asian, because I've never seen a. I, I remember seeing a Ranma game. Mm which is the same era that came on the SNES uh, Super Nintendo in the UK, or the Famicom. Yeah, Famicom, so they call it. Yeah. <laughs> but I do not remember seeing a Dragon Ball one, but you kept saying about this thing, and you were saying, like, yeah, it's like Street Fighter, that's the only thing I ever played, because then I got you involved in Dynasty Warriors, mm-hmm. didn't I? That's right. And changed her life. Yeah. Dynasty Warriors is uh, definitely a game for people that don't really play games, because it's so, like... You you just you're one against the world, one against the world, and it's a lot of hack and slash. Well, I gotta be honest, the appeal to win and wins thing with video games is it's very close to win in real life. <laughs> yeah. So one of the games that wins like win win likes was the Dragon Ball one because she identifies a Goku. Okay, mm-hmm. that's. Wins. Super Saiyan and that's that's Wynn's persona. I, I, I grew up with the Dragon Ball comics because uh, my oh. cousin had all those the. 
uh, comic books does. in Chinese. Still does. And yeah. every time I visited my grandma, because mm-hmm. they lived together, I'd basically be fl- flicking through the comics. Ah, I see, I see. So yeah. that's the one side. Mm-hmm. But then Dynasty Warriors is when when she sees a bargain at a shop. <laughs> and if there's anyone else in the way, oh, she God. just wipes them all out. <laughs> one twi- sweep of the yeah, spear. Two, 256 combos, <laughs> and they're all gone, right? And it's legit. Yeah. You'll see that in Hong Kong. Mm. That's how it is. Well, uh, but Dynasty Warriors, I, I also like the fact that it's somewhat historically correct in terms of certain yeah, characters and certain things that I know from, you know, my own history. Well, it's historically, actually, it's, it's a good point because they put a lot of efforts into the timelines mm-hmm. for the uh, the uh, Chinese Dynasty and Three Kingdoms era. It's obviously dramatized and, you know, there's a lot yeah. of fiction, but well, these certain characters <laughs> exist. It's yeah. funny you should say this because actually talking about uh, Dynasty Warriors and the characters, they're all represented quite like uh, J-Rock stars <laughs> or, or like something large in life, you know, yeah. like, and, and the girls have got gimmicks like hitting you with massive sort of like broom handles or something stupid, like just props and stuff. Yeah, as if the gen- these generals didn't actually have armies, they just yeah. went out and no, just they took out 400 one, people. Yeah, themselves. one guy and it took out the entire world, which in some cases, they'll have you believe is fairly true. But... Hey, Guan Yu did it. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> But it's like basically what I always thought was you then you get so used to these characters because again it's that like interpretation they they leave you and it's in the sort of ninth generation now, so you get so used to things as they are they actually started to do the uh, the era films yeah. uh, they were actually starting to make them John Woo did uh, Red Cliff one and two which is the same era as Dynasty mm-hmm. Warriors games yeah and you say and you're watching it go nah nah that's not nah. Guan Yu doesn't look like that. Nah. <laughs> no, he's 10 foot 5. Nah. His beard's real long. No, yeah. he doesn't look like that. And you're actually judging the character as you go along. Nah, nah, nah. nah. He's like, nah, he's Takeshi Kaneshiro. Nah, nah. He doesn't look anything like that. So you kind of like, you associate, because again, that's the story. And actually, the, la- the last three, I think it was the seventh one in particular, was really, really hard hitting. Mm. The stories in that, they'd gone quite movie cinematic yeah. with the cut sequences yeah. and it chokes you up mm-hmm. you know you win it and you're like just killed a lot of people but it's worth it you know like it's it's crazy there's a lot of tragedy in that um and they they, they read on the soundtrack and all of this it was really kind of it was very of the ilk of the red cliff one and two movie which is fantastic possibly one of the best uh films ever to come out of china uh, I have to be careful because the Western cut is um, two Extended and one. one yeah. Yeah. So, well, not always. They've they've done the two now. They've re-released it as two yeah. in most places. But if you ever find the extended cut, you want to go for that rather than the uh, standard cinematic Western release, which has cut a heck of a lot of stuff out of. But we're not selling that right now. <laughs> what we're actually talking about is... Okay, so Dynasty Warriors wrapped up. Yeah. And Dynasty Warriors... From the eighth one, suddenly went in a tailspin, started making Zelda. Yeah, yeah, they. Um, I, I'm probably gonna get a lot of haters now when I say this, <laughs> but um, I kind of, I kind of feel like I have to. Um, Hyrule Warriors was literally Dynasty Warriors with the Zelda paint job, but that and that's not a bad thing because Dynasty Warriors was a great game as well. But um, when I think Zelda, I do not think taking out hordes of enemies, mm. unfortunately. I think about puzzles, I think about adventure, characters, real storylines. I don't think about... Um... Yeah, I think I think what would have been better on reflection yeah. 
is if they'd have put Link into an all-star roundup. Yeah. So you'd have different characters from different things in yeah, a Dynasty Warriors that would have worked. So it's yeah. kind of like Smash Brothers, but in a Dynasty Warriors platform. Exactly. Yeah, a lot like so, Mario Kart or something like that, where it's just a ton of Nintendo yeah. characters yeah. trying to beat each other. Or anyone, anyone from, uh, from the uh, licensing yeah. department. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so basically... They've heard that now. <laughs> so Nintendo, as you know, we're uh, obviously telling you directly right now. Uh, that's the game that Shaq wants. Yes. Uh, if I don't get some credit for you making it and making millions, I'm not going to be happy. And while you're there, <laughs> make a Marvel one because that'd be amazing. Marvel mm. versus DC, Dynasty Warriors. There you go. I've set it up for you. <laughs> not like that's going to be cheap, is it? <laughs> to get the licensing on that, they give those things away in Hollywood. <laughs> yes, we can all get notion. All right, good. So, yeah, moving on from Dynasty Wars, because the ninth one, which is in theory the 10th in the UK, because there's an odd thing where the Japanese didn't name the first title. They didn't believe it was the same string. So they're on nine, we're on 10 in Mm -hmm. theory. It's going to be open world Mm -hmm. and it's going to be revived from the ground up. And it's now a entire dynasty period china that you can walk around and invade and conquer which is much like everyday life when we're back in hong kong isn't it when <laughs> uh so going from that uh there's a few exciting things you were saying we were talking about dragon ball mm-hmm. uh the street fighter the new street fighter interpretation because it's kind of like the same thing street fighter did where it's yeah. 3d 2d yeah, yeah 3d yeah. but 2d locked and yeah. less as a cut so um 2d characters yeah but um 3d uh, environments yeah. yeah 3d environments and uh, especially when it comes to like uh, supers and um final uh, sort of powers yeah. where they show a lot of really flashy cinematics yeah and um, so it's 3D in that sense, but uh, most of the game is 2D with 2D characters. But a lot of people love that. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's it's the interesting thing because for a while there was, a, there was a lot of push for 3D space games. Yeah. There was a lot of, especially in fighting games. Mm-hmm. And I remember them doing it with Mortal Kombat the first time when they stepped away from the motion capture mm-hmm. 2D f- format yeah. and actually tried to um, character create mm-hmm. on a 3D platform. And it didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, they did the same thing with Street Fighter mm-hmm. and made that 3D and it didn't work. Yeah. I actually thought it was all right because the controls on Street Fighter matched it. It yeah. was actually perfect how they did it, but mm-hmm. it was very virtual Fighter. It yeah. didn't work too much. Then Tekken sort of started edging it back to that 2D, 3D thing. Yeah. you know. And then suddenly you get like every Dragon Ball under the sun was kind of a fusion of what they were doing with the Naruto games. Yeah. And uh, like the J Star victory mm-hmm. sort of thing, where it didn't feel like if you ever like the Xenoverse games, right? Mm-hmm. They didn't feel like a fighting game to me as much as they felt like a targeting system that you sent your missile, yeah, and you yeah. just set it up and you fire it yourself, yeah, yeah. You just you know either I mean? fire yourself or a bunch of bolts. At me. Exactly, <laughs> it didn't. It didn't feel like a fighting game. It felt very detached. Yeah, it was. It was. And. I mean, I felt that the flying around and being able to go move around this, like, space, like, basically however you wanted, whether you wanted to fight on yeah. the ground. And smash the, uh... through rocks and yeah. stuff. That was cool. Yeah, I thought that was amazing. Yeah, the, the, the actual uh, environment stuff. Gameplay and fighting and combat was, that was It was weird. It was almost like, because I couldn't make my mind up. Some part of me clicked and realised it's sort of a pseudo-strategy game. Yeah, it is. Where it's almost... But it is that feeling where you are a homing missile and you're just guiding <laughs> yourself. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And... There's not much in that. Mm. So it was exciting when they announced the uh, the 2D, 3D thing yeah. um, because 
I feel that's always where Dragon Balls belonged in yeah. that space. And 100%. hopefully we can try and bring Win out of retirement for yeah. a crack at it. <laughs> you know, she'll, she'll recess to... Uh... Yeah. Let's put it this way. Mm-hmm. So, she likes... She. Winifred likes... I'm here. Yeah, and there you are. You like your uh, 2D Street Fighter stuff. You like your killing a lot of people in one screen. Well, you don't really kill people in Dennis Warriors. You knock them out. Yeah. It's a lot more family-friendly. Mm-hmm. And you like Katamari, don't you? Which is, I don't know if you know this, Shaq. It's a very Asian, it's a Japanese game, and you're basically a big ball that picks up stuff. You spin it, it around and break bell. things down, and it you have to clean the environment. Yeah. Well. Yeah. yeah, it rings a bell. For a bit. It's the kind of game. Was it a character pushing the ball, or yeah. was you just the Like this, this weird ball, thing with a pill head. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about, yeah. <laughs> that goes around pushing. Yeah. And the more yeah. you pick up, mm-hmm. the more the you win. Gets, yeah. Win can play that for hours. <laughs> it's literally the equivalent mm. of a cat with a ball of yarn. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And you're okay with that, aren't you? Well, I think the thing I like about Katamari is almost like the thing we are talking about, VR, in the realistic sort of motions yeah. you know how like when you press the button the button really press- presses yeah. yeah uh for this when you're pushing the ball the resistance yeah. and the way it rolls and stuff is like yeah 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 definitely and, and you have to clean up a room so you know and you like? like yeah <laughs> which in real life you hate doing but there you go <laughs> but um you know uh the other thing you like is tetris don't you yeah is, is there anything else that you can think of because you like um bomberman Yes, Bomberman. Bomber, Bomberman's good, but very frustrating when I play with my friends. Yeah, because <laughs> like, I'm it? not too too good at it, so um, I'll end up being doing you know okay. I'm staying out of everyone's way, not really getting into too many uh, bomb fights, and then uh, <laughs> I'll put down the bomb and realize I'm in a dead end. Yeah. Oh no! <laughs> the thing that I hate is when you power up and you get the one that kicks the bombs, and no. you've completely forgotten that you got it, and you just walk around kicking them at yourself. Oh, not again! Oh, it's yeah. Bomberman's one of these things that either is. For masochists mm-hmm. or for idiots, um, <laughs> and you're either the masochist or the idiot. That's yeah. what they should rebrand it as: the masochists and the idiots. It's yeah. fun and stupid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's fun. It's just it's very stressful. It is Corridor very stressful. of Fire is very stressful. Yeah. I mean, I don't play a lot of games, but I can appreciate it because yeah. there are certain games like The Witcher mm-hmm. or yeah. even yeah. GTA Four, yeah. like when I'm uh, GTA Five. When I'm watching Danny play it, I can mm-hmm. see that world. Well, I got Win working on it last night. <laughs> yeah. GTA. So, yeah, I needed to get my uh, stealth mm-hmm. boost. So, I, well, while I was in the shower, it's just like, can you go up and down mm. this corridor mm. over and over again? Yeah, crouching. Because yeah, wind doesn't just, mind jumps like that. Maybe just walk in circles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For about fifteen minutes. Yeah, mm. but if you had a broom in your hand, it'd be catamaran. <laughs> <laughs> so see, see how it is. But it's funny because I think your taste in games, wind, because you always come at games like well. My my whole thing is academia, and I'm more like I look at everything and I break it down, analyze it, and criti- mm-hmm. criticize and stuff like this. But what's funny to me is the games you actually like are possibly some of the most mindless ones. <laughs> That's because <laughs> games to me is a switch off, mm. so I don't have to use my brain. Yeah. It's right. So through. you're more you're more the escape by the abstract. And we're more the want immersion. Yeah. Would you say that's right? Mm-hmm. I'd say so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'd say that, yeah. Because um. one thing I wanted to bring up with you, because you've got... We, we talk about GTA, which is MMO. That's really my first sort of... Um, I did do Call of Duty uh, a little bit, but it gets frustrating. Mm. Everyone testify that Call of Duty gets super frustrating yeah. online. 
It's it, there's nothing worse than unloading the clip on somebody and then one shotting you. There's yeah, or, or just the fact that everyone. Uh, well, when I was on it, uh, you'd get like these hours between certain because when you live in Hong Kong, and that's when I first played uh, Call of Duty Online. I was late to the game because mm-hmm. I avoided it for years. But basically, it was like you'd get sort of the Japanese in the morning mm. who were great. The Japanese gamers, if any, if anyone's listening in Japan, mm-hmm. um, you guys as gamers are possibly my favorite people to play games with because yeah. everyone thinks like I think. Yeah. They want to believe they're in this world and that they're doing their job as yeah. as a team. Yeah, definitely. But then you'll get like different territories around the world. I'm not saying <laughs> nothing because I don't want to create pixelized world war. Yeah. But at each time, almost like, you know, your morning, your noon, your night, your evening, whatever, mm-hmm. you get different groups of people. You do, yeah. And the Japanese is cool. Mm. Everyone else has their cool elements. <laughs> okay? Okay, yeah. okay, okay. But by and large, you do get kind of like certain hours of the day where you just don't want to play yeah. games with these people ever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like when... Um, during the school holidays when you try and play an online game. Yeah, never yeah, do it. Yeah, never do it. <laughs> Unless it's four in the morning. <laughs> and uh, that's just weird. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of what I do. Um, so what it is, is like... So Call of Duty was that. Um, and, you know, I like the element of the fact that you rank up and that you earn that. And it's sort of... You feel proud because you've done stuff when you do stuff. But when it's a wave of annihilation after annihilation yeah. because everyone's like, you know, going to spawn sites or whatever. Yeah. You do feel kind of like you just want to throw the uh, disc at the wall or set fire to your head or something. Mm. But basically, that was the first experience. The second was the GTA Five experience on the PS3, mm. um, which we had quite an, an interesting one because we were doing that when we were actually editing Kim, uh, the uh, the tech guy Scott and me. Well, we would play GTA opposite each other because yeah. there's two playstations so he'd be in the back room office and i'd be in the front living room we're both playing gta in the same environment mm. which was quite a lot of fun mm. was it we, online with each yeah, other? yeah yeah but we'd started off with him being in the uk uh. and suddenly we're in the same room doing it which was kind of cool man it yeah. was like um it's a lot of fun because there's a lot of good memories on the online at that time it was really raw mm-hmm. It was kind of like a stripped-down version of the actual game at that point. There wasn't a lot of extra options. But again, in that, you'd have you'd have your waves of silly people. But yeah. it felt great because it was like him and I and a crew or whatever, and it was yeah. cool. Yeah. But what I wanted to ask you about, because then we progressed to For Honor and stuff like this, mm-hmm. uh, which is amazing. If if ever get a chance to play For Honor, it's a skill-set uh, game. So it's kind of in your alley because you like esports stuff yeah yeah i'm all about my esports myself for honor is um basically a game where uh, characters are really good against other characters and not very good against others i really like games like that well it's also even if there's like it's good setup but even if you've got like one of the heavy characters and you've got a fast character you learn in the game skills to actually it's it's like instead of you having a clear handicap Mm -hmm. you've got skill set and if you're good at the game Mm -hmm. or you put the hours into the game you get the rewards from it. You actually get better and better and better. It's actually very close to esports. Yeah, yeah you can circumvent that, your weaknesses. Yeah, mm. and and because the control mechanism of this game, 
you can't cheat the system. Mm -hmm. The system is there and it's unbreakable. Mm -hmm. So if even if people go on YouTube, as they always do, and try and find the unbeatable combo, you mm -hmm. can always outsmart the combo because mm -hmm. it plays like that, which I love. So it stops... You will get frustrated playing yeah. online, but you can actually beat that if you stick with it and, and you dig, you grit your teeth and get on with it. You can actually make these guys, the trolls of the internet, yeah. suffer. Yeah. And that's quite rewarding itself. But the question I want to ta ask you, yeah. League of Legends, can mm -hmm. you set it up? Because that's your thing, isn't it? Yeah, I've been playing League of Legends now for about five, six years now. Um, it's he, hasn't, he hasn't come out of the room. He's still <laughs> playing it as we talk. I wish, but um, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's a it's a game that gets um patched and updated uh, every two weeks, so it constantly feels fresh, constantly feels like you're playing a new game. Um, characters get really strong and then they get patched to be weaker. Yeah, characters yeah. um get really weak and then they get patched to get stronger. So you can't like go into the game one week and play exactly the same as you uh, played it three four weeks ago. So is it similar to World of Warcraft? Is it that sort of a thing? Similar, it's it's more like a battle arena. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, so it's like a, a one map. Everybody's in it. Uh, it's kind of like a top down view. Right. So um, everybody's oh, in like the map. Diablo style. Yeah, yeah, yeah right, a lot right. like that. A lot like that. Everyone's in the map, and then um, most of the map is covered by what's called the fog of war. So you can't see in this yeah. fog of war. So you don't know where any of the enemy is, and uh, you're coordinating with your team to do your best to beat the enemy. Now, um. There are these items called wards in the game that allow you to clear out the area of Fog of War and they're invisible. So if an enemy walks across that, then you can change your strategy depending on where the, where the enemy is. Um, I won't go too deep into that because I'll yeah, talk for hours. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's another day. Yeah. <laughs> but um, the game is very much uh, strategic, but um, I don't, I'm not really into strategic games, but this one is real-time strategic. So you can have a plan ahead of you and that entire plan gets completely thrown out the window because the enemy decided to take a step that you didn't uh, right predict. right right you that's kind of cool man mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. yeah. sounds like our filming days <laughs> yeah exactly we're doing a film equivalent <laughs> it, it, it does you've got a good point and uh what what it is is like uh over the next couple of weeks because um pete's not with us we'll, we'll retouch this and we'll keep we'll keep things fresh and we'll talk about that again because I'd like to do like a part two. We'll, we'll keep talking video games next time, see mm -hmm. where it takes us. And then we'll we'll have a few guests in the mm -hmm. next couple of weeks, won't we? Yeah, definitely. definitely. Which will, uh, yeah, yeah. But we'll all be here again. This is our point to wrap up. Really cool uh, learning about League of Legends because I've got to get into that. My cousins are uh, really into it. So as as respect to him, I'll give it a crack. And he's just graduated to Bath University. I'm going to say it because I don't care if it embarrasses him. <laughs> well done. But, well done, mate. <laughs> We're all proud of you. And on that note, we'll be here same time, same place next week. That's us out, Shaq. Again, Good job. thank you. Like I say every week, thank you so much for having me and I'll be here a lot more. Thank you. You can find us on facebook.com forward slash maildemon, M-A-I-L-D-E-M-O-N, or find us on Twitter. Our handle is Project F-I-A. Mm -hmm.